Yeah, we're at. Wow. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah, this this uh, sipping puff. Have we ever explained it to people? Remember how I used to have to control my computer by like saying like a coordinate system? Yeah. One, three, four, click, seven, two, nine, double click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really like entertaining to listen to because it sounds like some kind of, um, you know, like mid-tier budget science fiction, like flavor dialogue in like a Star Trek spinoff that no one cares about. Yeah. Enhance. Zoom. Yeah. Zoom in. Enhance. Focus in on that. Yeah. You sound like one of the one of the quirky like CSI, like lab tech workers that only gets promoted to field operations by like the fifth or sixth season when they've killed off all the other interesting characters. Remember when when you used to have to try to guess what I was typing by trying to get good at the pilot alphabet? Yeah, exactly. You were like Alpha Bravo, uh, David. And I would be like, what's he saying about me? Yeah. And meanwhile, you'd be saying it as quick as you can. So I didn't realize you're typing like Jamie's a dick or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Well, it's been Easter weekend and I took, I was sick on uh, the day before Good Friday. I had like really terrible back pain, which was like, I think uh, just a cumulative consequence of poor posture mixed with uh, just a lack of overall mobility since COVID has been happening. And so I just decided like, forget it. I'm just going to take a personal day and then i also asked to cash in some of my banked overtime so i've been off of work for the past five days enough to forget my coworkers' names and faces and everything that i'm supposed to tentatively care about uh in a professional vein so, you so didn't it's been even work today no i didn't even check my email which is unusual for me i've been completely subsumed by extracurricular activities that I don't want to mention on the podcast because then I'll just end up devoting the whole 90 minutes to my opinion of an isometric CRPG from 2018. It would be just the worst. Everyone would fall asleep. Uh, Well, I mean, the movie we watched is considered an extracurricular activity. Yeah. I almost fell asleep while we were watching it. I mean, we we watched uh, the, the curious case of Benjamin Boring with yeah. Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. Um, it was one of those Christmas releases from 2008, which was a really good year for movies. So it's somewhat I don't even surpri- think I'm ready to talk about it yet. I, well, we don't have to. I mean, we can just tell people what we watched. And so when we do finally decide to get around to explaining why we didn't like it, they, they at least have been warned. But I'm sure a lot of people saw this movie way back in the day and as soon as i mentioned the title they're probably like oh yeah that really slow uh romance film with brad pitt that i really forget and then i've romance film that's certainly what it was that it was it was just like a spiritual successor or carbon copy of forrest gump and actually by the same screenwriter so it just goes to show you that even the most uh, successful screenwriters are vapid, creatively vapid from time to time. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm really not ready. No. I barely even got through the movie. But then again, nothing really happened. Oh, I got the vaccine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is like, it's obviously awesome that I was able to get it 
high priority second wave whatever right after first responders and like frontline workers and stuff how did you get priority like did you have to contact a a physician like presumably you have a number of doctors that you consult with no the the rule right now here is in the rollout anyone who gets chronic home care oh so because i'm getting attendance in and out all the time i I qualify right from that chronic home care yeah that sounds like a a a name for your first rap album (laughs) with a k yeah and the k for care too um but yeah so like what i'm about to say was like i'm grateful that i I got the vaccine Uh but like uh post-apocalyptic like you get there you roll up to like this community center Mm-hmm. There are basically guards standing outside. They're just like people in vests, but they're directing the flow of traffic and everything. Then there's a lady that comes over the loudspeaker outside being like, anyone who has an appointment at 2.15, please proceed to the front of the complex. And then like people start like zombie walking towards the doors and then you get in there and then there's like you get in you get filed into lines towards a person who's screening you like have you ever you know been in outside of canada blah 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 and then you answer all these questions and have you been coughing and sneezing lately and do you have trouble breathing and (laughs) are you a citizen of canada and and and? like and is like and in german is it I, I, swear, I swear, you took one German. <laughs> oh, my name is Magnus Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I mean, like, yeah, I don't really have much to talk about. Did the guards yeah. at the uh, at the clinic have batons? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, because it was only for, like, the the community center that I went to was only for the people getting chronic home care. Mm-hmm. So I think they were pretty well equipped to they probably got a seminar that was like this is how you put a power chair in manual and then there's the power button you're good to go dang were there like chain link fences and rottweilers and like random scary alarms that went off every few seconds yeah but the rottweilers were also wearing masks so it didn't really scare me as much right 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 i'm picturing something across between like children of men and half-life 2 Right, neither of those references I understand. Yeah, I know. I sort of wish we had another cinephile here to corroborate my nonsense. I don't know if I wish that, because then it would just really turn into... Welcome to City 17. Oh, shit. Never mind. Cut that out! Get that out of there. Terrible. No, we're not cutting it. (laughs) We're on a new new thing where we cut nothing. Oh, yeah, because you want to prove that a video version of the podcast is viable. Whereas I would argue that no one wants to stare at my face for two hours. It's not true. They don't want to see the progress. You just got a haircut. What yeah. are you getting a haircut for if not for that? Just to be able to feel uh, like ventilation behind my ears. <laughs> and is it getting breezy back there? Oh, my goodness. It feels so good. My, yeah, my my head feels totally unburdened. Actually, that's the thing that happened to me over the last couple of days. I actually went outside and I got like wow. real, real vitamin D, like not the synthetic kind that you get from uh, Jansen's vitamin pill bottle. And uh, I was actually getting paranoid 
after 90 minutes about having like a terrible sunburn. But the point is, <laughs> I went outside. <laughs> well, I don't tan, Tony. Like I have a, I have a, I have an allergy to the sun. That's how human I am. Is that a real thing? Or are you just saying that to win some sympathy? Points? <laughs> I don't. I know I have no more sympathy points to win from you. No, like when we went to uh, when we went to like uh, on a cruise in Florida for Disney in like grade eleven. I was yeah, not so able. Your sympathy to... points are already falling off. Yeah. Why? Because you've never been to Disney. To Disney cruise in Florida. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Sure I was just going to say there was like a point where we like where our cruise ship stopped at Nassau and I was like unable to sunbathe because like we were close to the equator or something and I broke out in like a really itchy rash and I had to spend the rest of the time at the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just what you told everyone? Everyone's like out there having a good time. You're just shoving stuff in your face. Yeah, man. And like you don't want to go outside. You're like I get rashes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, can I have another piece of sushi? Thanks. <laughs> How was the cruise? Because I feel like a cruise is one of the most accessible ways to travel. That was many, many years ago. That was uh, like January of grade twelve. It was okay. actually of my victory lap in high school, and uh, I just remember never really having to think about wheelchair logistics. It was really you fun. You took your victory lap. In high school, yeah, I did. What did you do? Did you like pick up courses that you didn't really were supposed to do for your? I don't. I've never met anyone who's done a victory lap, so I never really understood the purpose of it. Besides, obviously, like you don't know what you're going to do. But what do you do? Just take high school courses again? Well, I worked at Silver City, and I took some extra math and sciences courses. Like I took physics twelve. And, so it wasn't uh, like a full time thing. I had two spares and then I just, I used my spares to do physio with my student support person. And that's not bullshit. Like he actually did walk with me using forearm crutches, which if you, which if you've met me is not very practical. Like if you just take a look at my posture while I'm weight bearing, it like doesn't make sense to put two narrow sticks on my forearms and tell me to walk down the hallway. So it, it was a lot of, it was a lot oh, of work. This is hilarious. Oh yeah, he was a great guy. Uh, he was a weightlifter, and he, w- he wouldn't take no for an answer, or I can't for an yeah, answer. I think so talked about him. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he like would put a strap around me and then like hold on to it, and I'd walk beside him, and we just go like hammerschold. My high school was a horseshoe, and one lap was I don't know like three hundred meters or something. And so we would just do the lap like three or four times. The last time you said the phrase on here, you said the phrase hammer shoulder was a horseshoe. And I thought that was some phrase that you were using to describe him as a strong person. Oh, like some sort of weird idiom that I had in my head that no one actually uses, but but I do for some yeah, reason. I thought his name was Hammersham and <laughs> he was a horseshoe. No, the my <laughs> high school, the name of my high school is yeah, Hammer yeah. after a Viking or something. I don't know. I'm not a history person. I don't give a fuck about that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's spelled H-A-M-M-A-R-S-K-J-O-L-D. And it was full of... Does it have a little circle above the O? I don't know if it has an umlaut or whatever it's called. Anyway, yeah, like I have a whole bunch of positive memories of that time. I really enjoyed that extra year. So then you went on a cruise. 
I did. I, I went on a cruise. You've never been outside before that. No, I used to. I used to get a lot of sun um, when I was a lot younger, and it was easier for me to like, go outside on my own in my walker. Actually, break out in rashes every time in Thunder Bay, like very rarely. But I did have a. I, I did have a, a a propensity for something called slap cheek, which I think I talked about. Slap cheek. Yeah, which was a symptom of my allergy to the sun. It was like a I rash that. Save that story for the Patreon. <laughs> I I never used to to get burnt before, mm-hmm. and now I do. I don't know because I because I'm I so was, good at insulting you. Yeah, so now I just don't feel any burns. <laughs> but no, uh, I. I always was like, well, I'm Italian, so I, I probably just can't burn. Have the Mediterranean blood in me. So it's like, I don't know, high defense against a dumb thing that I was thinking. As I'm getting older, I'm now having to actually put on sunscreen. Oh, how it terrible for you. Yeah, but it, but it, for a long time, I was like, oh, this is weak or something. Like, I wouldn't do it because I had this idea in my head that sunscreen was like a sign of weakness. <laughs> Something for for you on. Wow. <laughs> and now I have a spot on the side of my face that will probably be a sunspot when I'm older. It's so funny. Like I think everyone kind of has in their head these like unofficial criteria for what constitutes like resilience or something. Like like lines they won't cross uh or things they won't give up out of pride. And when you're disabled, it's like just because there are ostensibly like big things that you can't do, quote unquote, normally, it doesn't mean that there are stupid things that you won't refuse to give up just out of your like whatever protracted, protracted sense of self that you have and the things that you use to express your your strength of character or your your inner fortitude. One that you have. Uh, well. I kind of stopped using my K Walker recently because of COVID and back pain. And my mom keeps trying to put it back in the crawl space. And every time, every time she does, we have like, like a brief shouting match. Cause I'm like, please do not put that away. Cause I feel like as soon as she does, I'm not going to use it again. Cause part of you doesn't want to use it. Well, I don't want to re injure myself out of like, uh, stubbornness and pride uh, but i also don't want to put it in the crawl space because i can't go get it on my own if i do decide that i need to start using it again i remember i had that same feeling when i had my back surgery and the doctors were like you don't have to use your stander anymore did you ever have a stander yeah we've talked about this i did have a stander when i was younger okay. and it's like it's like a it's basically a fucking Hannibal Lecter device, but yeah, without the device. yeah, without the face muzzle. And oh, yours didn't have the face muzzle. <laughs> I mean, it might have, but my parents were kind enough not to use it. Sometimes my parents would just use the face muzzle. <laughs> yeah, but only when they were slapping your chest. I feel like I can't make jokes like that because I've had friends reach out to me after hearing stories about like the ironing board and being like what just happened to you like how are you okay 
like in response to things we've discussed on the podcast. Yeah, like when I talked about the ironing board situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that I that I repeatedly make fun of because I don't know how else to react to it. Yeah, well, that's that's a fair reaction. That's all I can do. But By the I way, had... do you have it? Were there any other like uh, medieval torture mechanisms that were used to quote unquote treat you therapeutically? Uh, I mean, no, besides like my bedroom was the laundry room. So I had to get used to the sound of falling asleep to shoes in the dryer. Shoes? Who, who dries yeah, their shoes? People would always dry their shoes, thumping around the dryers. Who's people? people I lived in a very busy household, as we've talked about. Did you have more uh, like non-biological siblings than you had like members of your social circle at Carleton? Like over the years, my foster parents have probably parented 30 to 50 people at least. I don't know. It's it's an, Wow. And 30 so to 50. Well, yeah, but they weren't all living there at the same time. We How many there. bedrooms did your parents' house have? That's a good question. I'd have to like think for a minute and count, but like at least five. And it, and they all looked after them. They all looked after you themselves. Like they didn't hire people. Well, like sometimes my, their kids would also live with us, and at the time their kids would be in there. You mean like the the kids that they had that by blood? Yeah. Okay. Who were not disabled? No. So why, like, why were they foster parents? Like, did they ever talk to you about why? I think they were just. They just really liked being parents, and they were like, we. They had four kids of their own, and then we're like, that's not enough. So, but then did they start fostering after their biological children left? Not after; it was during, like while they were still living at home. They got their first foster kid, and then that just spirals out into. I think they were always kind of like one more. Okay, fine, one more. Are you close with any of your foster siblings? Not really, no. Some of them like reach out to me every once in a while to like see if I can bail them out of jail or something. Like that's you're being serious. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And how many of them have you bailed out of jail? For their rent. <laughs> None of them. And, and, and you you've given them no money? No. Okay. Because it was it's, it's one of those situations where like giving them money doesn't really do anything good for them. Mm-hmm. And it will it become a recurring incident. Yeah, it would set them back on there. So sorry. Can we circle back to when you got your um, vaccine? It, um, the person who administered your vaccine was it the same nurse who? Oh my! <laughs> was it the same nurse who nurse who visited your home to give you the COVID test or what? Yeah, and weirdly, she was like, "Okay, while I put the needle into you, I'm going to need you to hum." <laughs> and I was like, what does that do? And she's like, it opens up your deltoid muscle in your arm. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Did she put a couple popsicles in your mouth? Yeah, I got to eat that day just because I was screaming out oh, so loud. <laughs> That's good. Oh, yeah, no, it was, besides it being almost creepy, because at the end of it, after you get your vaccine, You've been through like three different stations and then you get your vaccine. They give you the shot to go and wait to make sure that you don't have any symptoms. And are there lots of people in the waiting area? Yeah. And everyone is facing the front in like rows. And it's just like, it was very, 
dystopian. You mean like they're facing the front as if as if they're like waiting for like a, a speaker to come up and address them? Yeah, like you're not allowed to address. To... Oh wow, that is weird. It sounds very Soviet. Um, At the very least, it was it was uh, like very organized. I'll say that, and it was organized and flawless and efficient, mm-hmm. but it still felt like a maze. And you haven't had any side effects since, just some body aches. Yeah, I, I had like the next day. I had body aches and a headache, and I was feeling just kind of not a hundred percent. Still kind of like tired. Mm-hmm. Be funny if you got a sunburn. Oh yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone says you get sunburns from vaccines. <laughs> right? Yeah, it makes sense. Well, like people saying that uh, a deficit of vitamin D is a good indicator of how badly COVID will affect you. So yeah. you know, like maybe you get like maybe the vaccine is just like an overdose of vitamin D, and it manifests as a sunburn. Same as if you got too much vitamin D, like out in the real world you know so a sunburn is just too much vitamin d <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if you have too much vitamin d you turn red and your skin starts peeling exactly yeah exactly which is why i don't you understand why like, so you did your victory lap in high school <laughs> and then you went right into med school <laughs> yeah i did how'd you know i failed immediately <laughs> yeah they kicked me out they pushed me down their ramp told me to fuck off all right, should we talk about Benny B? I don't know. The Curious Case of Beavis and Butthead? I don't know, man. Ugh. Okay. Well, maybe if we talk about it, there's old lady voices are telling stories of them and child. You're, okay, so the the movie is framed by an old Kate Blanchett in her hospital deathbed just before a major storm like recounting to her daughter uh, the story of a man she loved. And Can you qualify old? Uh, she's like in her late 80s, probably at this point, because Benjamin yeah, is... like the prosthetics and stuff. Oh, she's basically wearing like head-to-toe, like old person prosthetics. And why do we not just hire an old lady to perform her? Because the movie fetishizes the transformation of the body over time. Yeah. And so if it doesn't take the actor that we know and love and degrade their physical appearance by slathering them in prosthetics, then there's some sort of magic that isn't happening. And therefore, we're not incentivized to keep watching because they show us old Kate Blanchett. And then we're like, oh, I wonder what she looked like when she was hot and younger. And then we're like, I really hope the movie winds back, back the clock at some point. And then, so we just keep watching based on that sort of superficially bizarre incentive. Does that make sense think, to you? Is it a disability movie? I want to get that question now. Well, you were asking this question about 10 minutes into the movie because the movie takes... I don't want to watch it. I yeah. That I could just get us to turn it off and fix something else. Yeah, like in time. Because, yeah, it was either it wasn't a disability movie or we were about to lose almost three hours of our lives to this horrible slog of a film and to answer your question um what makes a movie a disability movie you answer, answer your question you're gonna ask me a question yeah i'm gonna ask you a question right okay um so 
it was a disability movie, I'm going to argue. Okay. Even though I didn't want it to be because I didn't want to watch it. But hold on. What is the criteria for a disabled movie? Is it total percentage of the runtime in which a main character uses a mobility apparatus, be it a manual chair or forearm crutches or a walker or a power chair or an iron lung or a, I think a pair of Crocs? A percentage difference from the quote everyday life experience. Oh, so the amount of time they spend not living a normal life because their their body is not able? Yeah, or you could even go as far as to say disabled. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But okay, so the movie features a disabled character uh and it, like for a significant amount of its runtime. Um, but then in order to be a disabled movie, does it does it have to ask questions about what it means to have a meaningful life when you can't move very well? Well, I think that's what makes a good disabled movie. Is yeah. When it really explores the differences in experiences when your abilities change. Mm-hmm. And this movie didn't really do that. But what was annoying to me is that the more I watched it, the more I didn't want to watch it. But also, the more it became a disability movie. Because as Benjamin Button, who ages in reverse, kind of? Yeah, he's born like an 85-year-old man. He's born a baby, like with the skin and the bone structure and the neuroplasticity of an old person. And then he yeah. grows into... His youth, but and then eventually ends up as a baby again, right? So it's only like metabolically, I guess, or physiologically that he's old. It but really doesn't make sense because also at the beginning of the movie, you would expect that, like, when does puberty set in? For I don't understand, but then dementia sets in at the end of the movie. Yeah, so his biological clock, in some extent, like moves forward and yet his physiological clock moves backward and it's so it's a it, it's this weird so i don't was know he at puberty when he started banging all the brothel bitches <laughs> so at 14 years old in the real world he looks like a 60 like eight year old man also very short in stature and that's when his mind hits puberty because that's when he becomes interested in sex and he gets a job on a as a coast guard, I think. Like a, no, like a, he's a he he said it. He's a uh, tugboat man. He's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, he's a, a blue collar tugboat operator, yeah. uh, and his captain or his boss or whatever, who's a gregarious drunk guy, played by Jared Harris, who is a really good actor, realizes that Benjamin's never been laid. And thinks he's like an old man, totally past his prime. So he's like, hey, I gotta, I gotta make sure that you get some action. So he brings him to a brothel, and then because Benjamin is chronologically a teenager, he has the he has the stamina of a teenager somehow, but still only the body of an old man, and the the memory and the experiences and the and the wisdom of a teenager. So it's really fucking weird. Yeah, so erectile dysfunction is not a problem for him. Setting. 
Yeah, I guess when he said in when he's a child, it should have set in at the start of the film when he's a teenager. I he should be. I'm still really confused what how these clocks work. So did you say clocks or cocks? Exactly. (laughs) When is he supposed to be able to get? When does he hit puberty? So the fact that the rules of like the innate rules of the film in its like defiance. So it's a fantasy film. And the fact that the fantasy rules are not clear to us and it's still not clear by the time we've watched the entire movie um, means that they did a really poor job sort of we establishing that it was based off of a short, which I think was supposed to be satire. Like it was a, it was a comedy. And in that version, when Benjamin is born, he's born like five foot something, and he's actually an old man. And he can talk and everything. Yeah, and I believe as well that he has the experiences of an old man, and he he lives to the point of being a child. So, it, so, oh, so that's way more interesting. Is it not? Because it actually makes sense. Yeah, it's it's much easier to conceptualize. What I think. What I think this movie was doing um, was was trying to be at the forefront of some sort of special effects technology because it seemed to be really fixated on showing the passage of time on famous actors' faces. Like, you know, it opens with Kate Blanchett in old person prosthetics uh, and it looks really phony. You know, it's she looks she looks like um, Sloth from Seven, you know, like the murder victim Sloth, uh, just lying in his bed, like all emaciated and his apartment covered in pine cones. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't get the reference, yeah, it yeah, doesn't I've matter. The point is, she looks very ugly. And it's the Uncanny Valley uh, prevents you from seeing her as an old person. Um, yeah, so th- that's why I don't know why they just hire an old lady. Because they feel like that would be to the detriment of the film star power, I think. And it the movie wants to convince you that it has control of time itself. Like that is the magic of the film, I think. And I think most people watched it because they wanted to see how well the movie could render a young, a convincingly young Brad Pitt. Can it actually show us a Brad Pitt as he was in 12 Monkeys or in the film Seven, you know, when he was first starting out as a 20, late 20 something actor? Can we actually well, get an actor? have a child play him at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, because that was the cutoff point. Like, that's where they drew the line. Like, all right, there's no way we can convince people that Brad was 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays they probably would have. You know, like went to his family home and dug up his childhood photo albums and tried to use deep fakes to like render a real Brad Pitt and create like a a 3D model to be able to insert him in any of the latest Star Wars films or something like that. I don't even want to entertain the idea of them trying to do this movie again. No, I know. But um, so that's why I think we didn't like this movie, because it didn't really have... um, an inciting incident and like an actual problem for Brad Pitt to solve. Like, you know, he's born and his, his father is horrified at his appearance. So he takes Brad 
to an old folks home. He, he lays him at the steps of an old folks home, presumably, I guess, because he's an old folk. Yeah. And there's like some lead caretaker there um, who takes him in and embraces him. And so he, he spends his first 14 years of his life in this old folks home. Then it's kind of like Forrest Gump where he just like, in spite of his, in spite of the, the presumed prejudice levied against him because of how different he looks, he still has to try to go out into the world and live a life. And I think the movie Which is, is supposed to becomes a disability movie to me. Right. Well, I, at least the first, you know, 25 to 40 minutes of the film for me were sort of loosely disability relevant. Well, they had like people walking around with hand crutches and stuff. Yeah. Brad Pitt does use forearm crutches and a manual chair with an interesting anti-tipper wheel at the back that seems like it was built specifically for the film, but it has a sort of retro 1940s aesthetic, which was kind of interesting, but red false to me. Yeah. But I wonder if they used body doubles for those because the crutches were convincing in how they're using them. But I don't think it's that hard to walk around with hand crutches, probably. When you say that they use body doubles, you mean that they imposed Brad Pitt's on Brad, Brad Pitt's face on an actor who was actually disabled and actually needed to use the forearm crutches and/or wield the manual chair. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with wheelchair. you. But the forearm crutches, yeah, because yeah, that did look very real, didn't it? It was it it was really weird. But maybe it was just a good actor doing that, like. Again, I don't think it's that hard to walk around with forearm crutches and make it look somewhat convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably takes, you know, a couple of days of practice. But for a lot of the movie, it really felt like we were just watching like some 3D mocap of his face. Yeah. Imposed onto someone, someone else. Yeah. The whole film was a technical demo. Uh, yeah. And I guess, like, like I said, the fact that it was released at Christmas in 2008 sort of puts puts it into context a little bit because there was a stretch of time between 2001 and 2010, that whole decade where every Christmas it was like compulsory that you release uh, an epic three hour fantasy drama film. And that, that film be a showcase of the frontier of motion capture and 3d technology. So you think like Lord of the Rings, um, that Walter Mitty film with Derek Zoolander um, King Kong was a big one, and you get Benjamin Button, sort of all in the same vein. These Did these even make King Kong a wheelie movie. No, people just look at him and yeah, no, it's a stretch. You have a better chance of arguing that Gollum's a wheelie, but oh, he's yeah, that's true. He's more like a drug addict. In any case, um, I don't know. It, it, there was no real sort of effort by the film to understand what. Brad Pitt's burden might actually be, except that, you know, he's a little ugly and people are going to look at him with shifty eyes because the film actually never shows him being denied basic life experiences because of how he looks. And it never really ever shows him trying to solve physical problems because his body is decrepit or whatever. Except maybe his love life, which he's aging backwards and this girl that he likes is aging forward so naturally mm-hmm. 
there's a pretty short window of opportunity for, for them, them to, to bone. start a relationship. Yeah, there's this there's this young child who is part of the extended family of one of the elderly residences in his home, and she's the same age as him uh, at the be- in the beginning of his life before his teenage years. And so they have many summers together where they play and realize that they have a kind of uh, enduring kinship or whatever. And so the movie tries to suggest that they are quite close. But because of the weird, um, misguided nature of the movie's gimmick, you're never quite comfortable with Brad Pitt being drawn to or attracted to a young girl. Because he's in the body of an old man. And at that, because they chose to make him born a baby and then to grow into his midlife, he doesn't really seem that human. Like he never never had any substance for the entire movie. Yeah, like for the first like 10 or 15 or 20 years of his life, he looks like a Tolkien character, like inside of the real world. And so you don't really ever sympathize with him because he doesn't really resemble a person, which is really interesting because the whole time the movie is trying to argue for the innateness of his personhood despite his disability. And the special effects are so off-putting that none of those life-affirming themes ever really come across. Uh, And so, yeah, there's like for the whole first, third of the film we're we're expected to believe that there is a a long lasting friendship developing between Kate Blanchett and Benjamin Button and it we don't give a fuck yeah, um, I never cared I, the whole movie I was like I just don't care They're, you're supposed to care so many times yeah I just couldn't care less about what was going to happen yeah and like the movie's score is constantly telling you to care um, there's a scene, I guess, when he's sort of aging into his 20s, but he looks like he's 60, where uh, as a tugboat man, he has to uh, join the U.S. Navy or he becomes conscript- conscripted, I guess, to fight in the war. And so there's a, there's a scene where they take their little fucking meager tugboat into a big World War II battle. Uh, and it's kind of like the mid-movie action scene that justifies the film's budget. And again, you don't really care because although Jared Harris is captain boss is like a good actor, Brad Pitt is really unengaging in, in this role. He spends most of the time like watching the people in his circumference that are actually suffering or are actually trying to overcome the elements of their disenfranchisement or whatever the fuck it is like the the woman who agrees to take him in at the nursing home basically has so little help herself and is stretched so thin and played quite compellingly like that is the most realistic part of the film is the is the institution in which brad pitt grows up it also tries so hard to be smart and to be like profound mm-hmm. in the weird quotes and stuff that it has throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And the- it just never lands. Do you remember this line? It's funny how sometimes the people we remember the least make the greatest impression on us. Yeah. How can someone make an impression on you if you don't remember them? 
What? That doesn't even fucking make any sense whatsoever. What are you trying to say? Yeah. And he's he's talking about some woman who comes into the nursing home periodically uh, after he comes back from the war. And she teaches him for a couple of months to play the piano. So there's a montage of him learn, learning the piano. And then it cuts away instantly to her dying. Uh, and so, like, ugh. Ugh, it just yeah, doesn't work. The very next scene is her being dead. Yeah. Like, like, what do you... You know how I knew it was a wheelie movie, but also the worst wheelie movie? How? Was this thing right here. Sugar, we all end up in diapers. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing? What is this movie? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it doesn't really... Ugh. It sucks. The whole movie sucks. Yeah. You should have watched literally any other movie. I'm pretty sure it was my idea, so I'll take responsibility. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So the reason the movie uh, can't really ever sell this idea that Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett are in love is because of the awkwardness of their like empir- of their physiological ages at any point in the film. So They're it never it, rooting for them. No, no. Because at the start of the movie, she is seven and he's eighty-five and looks like and looks like Andy Circus. So they can't ever suggest even remotely that he wants to make out with her. Because that's he's like on some level, even though mentally he isn't, on some level he's like a pederast. You know? And you never know what I never knew what age he was supposed to be. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, how old is he supposed to be right now? Because He's clearly, like, interested in this child. Yeah. Is that okay because he's a wrinkly 14-year-old? And as a director, like, like telling Brad Pitt to act like you're a seven-year-old, uh, that's so confusing. What the fuck does that even mean? You know? And so um, for the first third of the film, like, you can't get on board with this love that's supposed to be developing. And then the middle of the film just kind of drags on as he takes odd jobs uh, as a tugboat man um, and like a delivery person, I think. Uh, And he has this weird uh, dalliance with this woman that stays at the same hotel as him between gigs, I guess. And it's Tilda Swinton. What was the word you just said? Dalliance. Dalliance? What's that? I think it's like a romantic interlude. Oh, it's they just it's like they boned for a couple of weeks. I like how your language is turning into the period of the movie. They smushed. What do you want from me? <laughs> I like how we were talking like yeah. I, can, I can actually see here Brad Pitt in the narration going like I had a brief dalliance with a girl in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Matilda Swinton. Matilda Swinton was there, and she happened to have less wrinkles than me, so I didn't really know if I should do it, but I don't have erectile dysfunction. And because Tilda Swinton's beauty is somewhat aberrant, like, you know, she has a very unique face, and she's profoundly beautiful, but not in a Hollywood sense, not in a Kate Blanchett sense. So naturally, she can only suffice as his love interlude for when he looks like he's 60 years old. So, yeah, the whole point of the movie is you shouldn't 
other old people. And yet it does that because it doesn't. Is that the point or is that the point we drew from it? I think that's the point that it's trying to make, that it doesn't matter what your age is. You're supposed to seize the day and live life to the fullest um, and take Which other every... Is a every good, thing to say. Yeah, except that it's not very... Like, it's vague for a reason and not really grounded in any kind of reality. I think you're right. It was like a technical... It was like a portfolio piece. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the movie Boyhood? Yeah. So the premise of the movie Boyhood is that um, the director, uh, Richard Linklater, followed around a boy actor from the age of six to the age of 18. Um, And so he he collected a few hours of footage every year from this boy's life for that whole time. And then in editing, he fashioned around a fictional film film like a coming of age sort of movie about this boy growing up in the suburbs in middle America in the early two thousands. And it starred uh, Patricia Arquette and uh, Nathan. What the hell's his name? He's a good actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. See, you're falling asleep. But anyway, so (laughs) every 10 minutes of the film was one year of the boy's life. (laughs) And <laughs> can I just get, I have to get to the point? I have a point. Please. <laughs> Does it end or is this the final 30 minutes? <laughs> okay. Well, I get thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> I thought it was like two on forever. But it did that. The point I was trying to make is that you can <laughs> do, you can do like a time lapse really effectively and watching an actor age like in semi real time is sort of inherently compelling because I think we're all sort of naturally um, drawn to stuff like that. Like those, those videos, those gifts that people make when they take like a photo of their hair every day for two years. And it ends up being this like two minute montage. Those things were really popular like five years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, I do think the movie could have been good. The idea that, you know, <laughs> what, what would it be like if uh, a person aged backwards and how would society accept them and how would they learn to accept themselves and yeah, what would the process be like for them internally and uh, all of that would have been cool, but they didn't really explore that. It really just felt like they were trying to go over all of these different, it really just felt like a period piece for a portfolio. Yeah, for the director's portfolio. Yeah, because there's that like, whole thing where it was like that weird, I still didn't figure out the point of it. The guy was like, did I ever tell you how I've been hit by lightning seven times? Oh yeah, the funniest part of the whole movie. And then it would <laughs> cut to like a, a old sepia reel of him getting hit by lightning that one time. And then they would do that like three more times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But like, 
I still don't know what the point of that was. It really just felt like they found a cool special effect to turn the movie into like some old footage. And they were like, let's do that seven times. Yeah, it was a recurring bit of comic relief that they just cut in there to alleviate people from their boredom, overwhelming boredom. It didn't feel like I was laughing with the movie, though. No. I felt like I was laughing at, at the movie. Yeah, the, the, the central conflict of the film becomes, will Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett eventually be at an age where it is socially appropriate for them to fuck? I mean, that's right. essentially it. When, when will their lives overlap in order for them to make a baby? And that's when they had that whole conversation where it was like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to have kids because we all know that I can't really be a good father if I'm getting younger and turning more and more into a child. And then you and I were saying that actually that would have been a really interesting sort of vignette or episode within this film of having like an 18-year-old Brad Pitt like raise, like being a father to his 14-year-old daughter and they have to pretend that they're siblings when meanwhile he still has like the authority over his child of a father and they yeah. sort of have to operate within the optics of the situation that would have been cool and if it was done really well it could have said something about the nature of parent child relationships or I don't know. Like it, it could have, it could have been really affecting somehow. I think that it would have been like that in itself is a very interesting thing to talk about mm-hmm. that we actually haven't seen in any really movie yet about being a parent. And yeah, so, so that would have been really cool if they explored parenthood. Like they did end up having a kid, right? Yeah. And then, uh, he, and then Brad Pitt goes full deadbeat dad. Basically, after her, uh, after she gives birth, he's like, "I don't want to disappoint the child," or so I'm just going to leave. And so he just straight the up mom was like trying to be fully supportive, and that's actually when she said the whole. Sugar, we all end up in diapers, right? Well, first is her way of being like, "Don't worry about it," you know. We're all going to end up in diapers, so whether you're in diapers, helping change your baby's diapers, okay. Exactly. And if the movie had persevered to, like, try to show that, it would have been, I would have applauded it. I I would have thought, like, that's super ballsy. But basically, it gets hung up or it derives its dramatic tension from superficial bullshit. Like, what will people think is essentially what the movie um, is asking. And that's what it's basing all its plotting decisions around. And that's really misguided and silly. The age gap between them is never inappropriate because they are always uh, emotionally the same age. And in fact, in terms of the actual passage of time, it's just that their bodies look different. Yeah. And that doesn't matter. But because the society at large might look at it and be confused just as we are in the audience confused about the basic rules of the universe of the film, then, Oh no, we can't do that. And so it's weirdly, it weirdly goes against its own uh, message or purpose. Right. And, I, and right really there, annoying. it's definitely a really movie mm-hmm. because 
that is something we've both talked about and other people in wheelchairs with different disabilities feel that way is um it's really hard to uh, get over the fact that society is going to look at you and be confused and their confusion or ignorance is going to make them question it or question the validity of it or mm-hmm. question the intentions of one of the two people. So if they explored that, it might have been interesting. But that's literally how they explored it again. Sugar, we all end up in diapers. Yeah, that was that's the sum total. They got. Yeah. Like, Not even a soiled diaper, just, just a fucking diaper. No. And when Brad Pitt leaves, it's not even really framed as though he makes a poor decision. And up until that point, he doesn't uh, refuse a call to action. Like, you know, he serves in the war quite valiantly. And then after the war, he comes back and he supports his foster mother at the home. Um, he's, he's generally portrayed as a loyal and decent individual and he he would have had because at that point his daughter was born in 1970 and he he didn't become a child with dementia until like 2002 so there's a solid 30 years where he could have been some sort of presence in his daughter's life and he just decides not to because i don't think the script the the movie script was prepared to ask what that life might look like or to you know, even show any kind of comedy or sweetness around it. They're just like, ah, yeah. fuck it. He'll just go on some sort of spirit journey for 20 years. Like, we'll show young Brad Pitt on a bicycle wearing like a 50s style leather jacket with gel, gel, slick back hair. And he'll be driving along the countryside. And the women in the audience will definitely want to fuck him. And he'll, we'll overlay it with some sort of shitty exposition about how. It's important to live life the way you want to. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what the fuck? It was awful. It was just awful. They didn't think at all about the emotional implications of any parts of the movie. No. Was, again, just like you said, it was the, a technical proof of concept. Yeah. It was like, oh, what does Kate Blanchett look like at 18? Oh, what does she look like at 23? What does she look like at 30? Oh, now she's 40. Oh, that's kind of boring. Okay, now what is what does Brad Pitt look like at 30? What does he look like at 26? What does he look like uh, but right before he dies? And it wasn't even good. It was like, remember that Nathan For You sketch where the guy's like, I can make anyone look older with Photoshop. And then he just takes like a picture of some younger child who's playing soccer and yeah. turns him into like an adult soccer player. Yeah, with like buck teeth or something. And it's just like, he just like photoshops it under another body. or And it really just felt like that. Like it wasn't, the CGI wasn't impressive. Mm-hmm. It was, it was adequate, especially I mean, for the time. I would argue that the, the current state of de-aging CGI is really poor. Like, I don't know if anyone's seen The Irishman, but that's another film that sort of like rests quite a few of its laurels on the fact that they can make Robert De Niro look like he did in Taxi Driver. And in actuality, they can't because his body still moves like a like a man in his mid-70s, mm-hmm. you know, like someone who's who should be getting a COVID shot soon. And so it, it something doesn't add up. 
and it's uncomfortable to watch. And there's also a kind of cynicism behind it that I've talked about a little bit, like with my coworkers at work, when I feel like they might be they might be bored or or need need to hear a rant. Uh, there there's a cynicism around it because it's like again, like you could always choose just an actor that suits like the role. I frame that as when you talk to your coworkers on a movie rant, you're doing them a favor. <laughs> <laughs> like when they're bored and they want me to rant towards them, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, you know when like the water cooler is relatively quiet that day, and I just want I just wanted to be like, hey, you, you want to talk about Robert De Niro and the Irishman for twenty five minutes? Let's do it. And they're like, I wish I had a snore button right now. <laughs> no, usually when I rant about movies, like they, I I, I haven't you know cornered them. <laughs> don't like block the doorway. No, 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 of course not. Although I, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I feel like you should at least finish that thought. I used to... From where I'm sitting, it sounds like there's at least one story where you did. No, 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 no. No, no, that's, that story's not appropriate. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you want to up it with the... Is there anything else you want to say? I did look, by the way, to see if there's something called Benjamin Button disease, and there is. Really? But, yeah, but the thing is... People are so confused by what this movie is supposed to be about that Benjamin Button disease is progeria. Do you know what progeria is? Is that the disease that um, Robin Williams' character had in the movie Jack, where he, he just ages very quickly? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and that's an understandable thing. And I think we could actually do that movie, and it would be more entertaining than this. Oh, I don't know. No, that movie's like a late 90s, like Francis Ford Coppola comedy. We have to do Oh, Okay, we will. I know you yeah. love Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, but anyway, progeria is pretty interesting. Like, it, the the way you're, the, like, people with progeria will live to be late teens, maybe early 20s, after the ages. And I, I remember seeing a TED Talk with a guy, a kid, who had it, and he was like 15 or 16. That's an understandable, like, it's easy to wrap your head around what that disability. Mm-hmm. And even if this movie was like you said about the short story it was based on, where it's just a guy who ages backwards, that would have made sense. But that's not what this was. It was like part of him was aging backwards, part of him was normally aging. Mm-hmm. And just you never really knew what was happening. No, and the surrounding film like was totally uninteresting. Even if there was a spark of chemistry between Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, it might have been like worth watching to some extent. But at this point, I think there's more romantic chemistry between you and a popsicle stick than between Brad and Kate. Well, so, yeah, but that is a hard, like, that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> right, yeah, especially if you get eight in there. They're competing for space at that time. <laughs> it's pretty tight. Well, I have three clips to try to rate this movie. So I'm going to play these three clips, and you tell me which one you feel like best captures how good the movie was. Okay? Tony, I feel like you lied to me because before this podcast, you asked me if I had prepared anything and I said almost nothing. And I was like, oh, what about you? And you're like, no. 
but you oh. have all kinds of clips queued up and well, let me just some structure clips before you actually okay decide whether or not i'm prepared <laughs> okay so clip number one see if this feels like the movie to you <laughs> okay okay <laughs> number two number two clip number two okay Sorry, I'm just I'm laughing way too hard. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. That's clip number two. <laughs> yeah. Now, final clip. Keep in mind the first two clips and see if this one feels more like the movie to you. Keep in mind. Okay. <laughs> I think it, I like number two. <laughs> yeah, that's this definitely one? the one. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that's what we're going with. That's our official review of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm over it. It has so much potential, and I feel like we've been saying that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. But because they're just not, um, you know, we have some some movies that we really should cover that have been really, really good. So I think we need to do a good movie because I'm starting to... It does sort of take the wind out of your sails when you watch so many movies back to back that don't really get it. Yeah, so uh, we have to take one out of the archives that we know is good. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes, do you still feel like I'm prepared? <laughs> uh, uh, you're prepared in the best way possible. <laughs> uh, do you want to do a wheel breaker? Sure. Do you have one? Let's enter the wheel breaker segment. Can you do like a another round of wheel? Like do that kind of thing? Use your like Saturday Night Live announcer voice. Oh, you don't have to like. It's like welcome to. Uh, it's just uh, we need some sort of like copy. Wheel breakers. <laughs> Perfect. We need some copy. He just says the name of the game. Sure, I've written that down for sure. <laughs> I never said I was creative. <laughs> All right, I got one. Yeah, go for it. I just thought of it. I can make you fully able-bodied, but the thing is, you go around and. In every conversation, the most mundane conversations, serious conversations, when you're trying to be funny, uh, like every every conversation with everyone around you, you end up saying, on purpose, dumb, profound sayings. Oh no! Yeah, like you mean know. like you mean like the the narrator in Benjamin Button? Exactly. Can you play that clip again? It's funny how sometimes the people we remember the least make the greatest impression on us. Sugar, we all end up in diapers. <laughs> you just have to say shit like that every time? Every, all the time. <laughs> and people get annoyed by it and you think that you're hot shit. <clears throat> Your coworker comes up to you and you're like, I don't know what's going on today, but my stomach's really unsteady. Sugar, we all end up in diapers. The thing, about, the thing is like those sayings, Usually, the the ones that people get so mesmerized and enamored by mm-hmm. are the ones where you just say a thing, and then you say that same thing in reverse. It's like, it'll be like, it's not the people in your life that matter. 
it's the life of the matter and the people. And people are like, wow. Change the way you look at things, and the things you look at change. <laughs> people don't mind if they matter. And if they don't matter, they mind. <laughs> <laughs> How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Toy boat boat toys. <laughs> Palindromic uh, proverbs? Yeah. Don't hang on to life itself. Life itself will hang on to you. Oh, God. This has, this has to stop. So, obviously, you say these bullshit proverbs, like, earnestly at the end of every conversation. Yeah, but you say them, you're not being ironic, you're being convicted. Like, you're like, on, on my face is the actual look as though I'm imparting useful information. Yeah, and you even are, even when people are like, stop, don't do another one of them. You're like, no, no, this one's good, this one's good. <laughs> people ask me not to, and I just, I don't even seek consent. I just no, go for it. you know that you're, you're, what you're about to say is better than whatever they thought you might say. I know that it could never work. I would be awful. I would, I would come across as emotionally uh, unintelligent and aloof. And whenever someone needed me to listen, I wouldn't be able to listen because I'd always have to be offering awful proverbs. Yeah, it, but I, sometimes what you're saying is true. Like, Brother, we all end up and die. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they're asking me about, you know, changing a diaper, but oh, yeah, no, do no deal. So you're saying wheel? Yes, I'm saying wheel. I have a dumb one ready. Yeah. So you're fully able-bodied, but every time you take a step, somebody in the Scandinavias has violent diarrhea. (laughs) Absolutely. I just want to go there. Yeah, I was thinking about that because all of our wheel breaker scenarios are like, um, would you become like not disabled but have to suffer some sort of horrific uh, humiliation and right. if you don't know the damage you're causing but you, like you know it is happening well, you would because it would quickly end up on the news like <laughs> norway flooded with diarrhea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, but a state of emergency called as everyone has dysentery <laughs> and you'd be like yeah sorry i just need to get to class <laughs> exactly yeah, so I would do that for sure. I mean, like, I would just make sure I never vacation there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, what if it was, let me flip it back on you and ask you the same thing, but it's anyone who lives. So it doesn't, they don't have to be in Scandinavia. They have to be from Scandinavia. So you might not know where that person is. You could be like in Thunder Bay and someone happens to be there on vacation. Which is very likely because we have a lot of people from the Scandinavias around here. Is that sarcasm? No, it's true. Really? Yes. I was going to say maybe their plane ticket got messed up. (laughs) So it would be a little bit less. It'd be more random. You're saying that there's a possibility that someone in my life could end up having regular constant diarrhea because of my taking a step walking. Well, they'd have to be from Scandinavia. So if they're in your life, you'd probably know that. Right. But I'm saying like, 
you know, you go to Toronto, you probably still would see it because there's some people there traveling there. Or, uh, yeah, there's just a higher chance. Because with your proposal, it's an easy yes for me because I just won't go to Scandinavia. I might never see the Northern Lights from Iceland, but other than that, is Iceland even in Scandinavia? I have no idea. I failed geography. I think I might be fine. Yep. So, um, but what if it was like someone in a 10 mile radius of where you currently are will have violent diarrhea every time you take a step? Just a random person. Yeah. Which would mean every time you went to the grocery store, everyone would be shitting themselves eventually. Why? <laughs> because. Yeah, a 10 mile wide grocery store? <laughs> I, I guess not. Yeah. I guess every that step really make sense. is a lot. You know, like some people take 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. So 10,000, especially what if you accidentally give it to the same person twice? Like, yeah. And they're like walking <laughs> home and they shit themselves. And then they get like to the bus and they shit themselves again. And then they're like racing to the bathroom and you take one more step and they shit <laughs> yeah. themselves again. Yeah. It would get to the point where you would want to know who you were making shit themselves. So you could like plan your steps so that they don't suffer too, too much. Is it the same person every time? Like, no, it's a random, random person within that radius. So there is a slight chance it could be the same person twice. What if you're on a first date with a girl and you're walking around and you make her shit herself? Yeah, what would you do? Do you just try to only do sitting dates? Yeah, you just would. to be sure. Yeah, you would. You would meet at a coffee shop and just never get up from your chair. Yeah, I think that's it. But then what if you get bailed on? Because she's like, sorry, this is really embarrassing, but on my way here, I shit myself. <laughs> and what do you say? Do you say like, oh, that was me. Don't worry about it. I'm used to it. Come over anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't worry. I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's no problem. It's actually not the first time this has happened to me. Yeah, no, we can this we can bond over this. Yeah, we can move past this one. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, she's like, okay, cool. Do you mind walking <laughs> with me to buy new clothes then? Like, no, no, you go on your own. <laughs> yeah, it could be a disaster. Uh, I would still do it. It would mean that anyone who lives with you would have to think about wearing diapers. It would be a fun power, though. It'd be a fun superpower. But it's not a power if you have no control over it. Well, if you take a step and you see someone shit themselves, it's a pretty good chance <laughs> it was you. <laughs> it, would, it would just be a lot of people, like, having a horrible realization and then, like, emphatically, like, running to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh no wheel no wheel yeah i would take that deal for sure <laughs> cool i think i start an instagram account where i just live instagram everywhere i go be like hey guys think we're gonna find someone today you just go for a jog and you just like look around and see who's shitting themselves like, oh look we got one you make be funny if you went to like a like a a 12-step program for constipated people and just started like walking around because it can never happen to you, right? No, of course not. Then you, you that would be like, you'd be a good Samaritan. Yeah, so you can go, yeah, like you're saying, you could be a literal superhero. Be like, guys, get me a treadmill and one of you's going to be healed today. Mm -hmm. No, I would take it. 
Do you have any awkward disability stories? Oh, I, I do have one. Remember how I was telling you sometimes uh, I have to use a blow dryer to dry a little bit of pee off my boxers mm-hmm. because I don't feel like going through the whole rigmarole of changing and it isn't like a big enough splash. Uh-huh. So I had peed and just a tiny bit spilled. And so I just like wiped it with some water and soap, blow dried it. And while it was blow dry, while I was blow drying it, I guess the blow dryer was sucking so much power that my whole house shut off. (laughs) What? Like, Like everything in my house just turned off. The lights, my internet, everything. I had to actually... Like, flip the breaker to get the power back. If the power goes out in your house, are you able to use your phone? I know that's a stupid question, but, like, I don't know, maybe your headset dies, too, somehow. I I, I don't know. Like, if Alexa dies, are you fucked? I guess is my question. If the power goes out and I don't have my cell phone, yeah, I'm screwed. But my cell phone, yeah, I mean, unless it's there, then fine. Okay. But I would obviously with someone. Because they were blow drying my pants. I was <laughs> blow drying my own pants. <laughs> Good point. They, they so, still haven't got Alexa to blow dry you, eh? No, I haven't figured that one out yet. I'm sure mm-hmm. I could if it was. It happens like once every four months. Worth. And that's due to like attendant human error? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird thing. Like, I'm sure as a guy, you, you know, there's always a tiny bit dribble left in the chamber. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you shake or dab or whatever, it's going to be a drip. When you're in a wheelchair, it's like no matter how much you sit and stare, the very last drop might still need some hot air. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Do you have an awkward disability story? Just that I got my head shaved in my backyard by my shithole buddies and they took like progress shots throughout. And it honestly, at points, looked like they were shearing a sewer rat. Like, it was just disgusting. They took a lot of hair. I've never seen your head as short before. Yeah, they basically made me bald. But it feels so good. So, so good. Yeah, that's a good story, though. For sure. Should we end it there? I got nothing. I think we're good. Another episode? Hopefully the next movie we watch, like, put some wind in our sails. Yeah, I'm over these dumb movies. It doesn't give me much hope. All right. So, overall. Bye, everyone.